good morning. This is Compassion Sunday, and we call that that because today you're going to hear about this ministry called Compassion International. You're going to hear a testimony of a woman whose life was greatly impacted by this ministry, and we're partnering with this organization because it's an organization that helps kids in 25 different countries escape poverty in the name of Jesus. And so um, we thought it'd be good to talk about what compassion means, because this organization is named Compassion, and if you have an outline, I'd invite you to take a look at it. Um, but for those, and those of you who are watching online, you can go to our website, centeringlives.com, you'll find an outline there. But compassion basically means uh, to have mercy, to feel sympathy, to have pity on someone. In fact, in the Bible, the words that are used for compassion are really interesting. The New Testament word in ancient Greek, it meant to have a gut-wrenching pity and compassion, saying, I want to help you. And the Old Testament Hebrew word was also interesting because it meant to have, to care, to have a, a cherishing feeling like caring for a baby inside the womb and how much you would protect that person. And all this is important because the Bible says that God is like that. Now listen to what Psalm 103 says, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He doesn't punish us for all our sins and he doesn't deal with us harshly as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth, and he's removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are. Now, if this is good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen? I mean, we live in a world where God is often portrayed as an angry God who's just waiting to get even with us. And man, if he can just smack us down and put us in our place, that's what the Lord wants. And the truth is, nothing could be farther from the truth. He loves you and me. He's compassionate toward us. He shows us pity. He feels sympathy for us, toward us, and he wants to show us mercy. And today, I want to talk about this because it's not only something that he wants to show toward us, it's something that he wants us to show toward others. Compassion. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will bless us today as we open up your word for a few minutes and we hear the powerful testimony of a woman whose life was radically altered because of the compassion she experienced from you through your people. And today, Lord, I pray that you'd move me out of the way, that you'd move her out of the way, and Lord, that you would speak to us about what compassion is and what it looks like and how we can show compassion to others. Thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. Thank you, Lord, that you are kind to us when we don't deserve it. Thank you that you are patient with us. Oh, Lord, thank you. We give you this service. We give you this time. Please speak to us today and teach us something we need to know about being compassionate. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, point B on your outline is this, that Jesus showed us what having compassion toward others looks like. The Bible tells us that Jesus is God in the flesh. He became one of us so he could pay the penalty for us on the cross. He was also then, as a human being, filled with the Holy Spirit, he could demonstrate to us what true compassion looks like. And so I want you to hear a couple of illustrations from Scripture. In Mark 1, we find Jesus walking along one day, and a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of him, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, the man said. And moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. 
I'm willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. And so there's this amazing story. This man had a skin disease that was incurable. In those days, not only did it mean that you had to live with the pain and the disfiguration of this disease, but it also meant that you were a social outcast because according to the Old Testament, in Leviticus, if a person had this, such a skin disease that was contagious, then he was ceremonially unclean. He couldn't go to temple, couldn't go to church. And if you had anything to do with him, then you couldn't. And so anybody who got next to a person like this became unclean too. And so people stayed as far away as they could from people who had leprosy. In fact, it was legal in those days if a leper came into a village and didn't announce that he or she was coming, you could pick up rocks and drive them away, get them out of town. And so when this person comes to Jesus, this is a person who's not only broken in their health, they're broken emotionally. And Jesus didn't just wave his hand and say, be healed. It says that Jesus reached out and touched him. That's the kind of God we serve. I mean, Jesus took the time to be involved with people that nobody else cared for, that nobody else was even think, would ever even think about being involved with. I mean, that's compassion. Another illustration comes from John chapter 11. One of Jesus' friends has died. It's the story of Lazarus. And if you're familiar with the story, then you know that Jesus has gone to raise him from the dead to show that he has power over death. But this hasn't happened yet. And when we jump into the story, Jesus is speaking to one of Lazarus' sisters, a woman by the name of Mary. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here sooner, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Remember, that's the definition of compassion. Where have you laid him, he asked. Well, come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see, I loved him. I mean, they're going to see a mighty miracle in a minute. But before they saw the miracle, they saw the heart of God. I share this ver those verses often with families when I'm talking to them about preparing a funeral for a loved one who's just passed away. And I remind them, that one of the greatest things we can do is bring our grief and our pain and our sorrow to Jesus. If you've ever wondered, does God understand me when life is hard? Does God understand me when my heart is broken over the loss of a loved one? Oh, my friends, there's nobody in the whole universe who understands better than Jesus. And we can bring all of our burdens to him. And if that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. Thirdly, I want to remind us that while Jesus was hanging on the cross, he showed compassion for the very people who were spitting on him and mocking him. Here's what he prayed. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Talk about slow to get angry. Talk about having pity on people who are just trapped in their own sin. I mean, that's Jesus. What's so great is Jesus comes to us and he touches people who no one else would touch he comforts us in the times of our deepest sorrow, and he even forgives us when we don't deserve it. This is compassion. And Jesus came and demonstrated all this for us, and the third point in your outline says that this is what Jesus commands us to pass on. God is slow to anger. God is loving. God is filled with mercy and pity. 
God loves us so much, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he said, I will place my Holy Spirit in you, and he will change you from the inside out. He's going to give us the desire and the power to, to pass those things on to others. And this is what Jesus was explaining one day when a religious expert came up to him and tried to trap him with a trick question. Luke 10. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? That's my trick question voice. Okay, anyway, um, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. But the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, well, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, they left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. And then a despised Samaritan came along. And what you need to know is Samaritans had nothing to do with Jews, and Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans. They wouldn't even talk to each other. Didn't even acknowledge the other existed. Yet this man, when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. He felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine, bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. Well, the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. And God wants us to pass it on. We've received an amazing amount of grace and kindness from the Lord, and he wants us to show grace and kindness to others. We've received so much compassion and mercy and pity, and the Lord says, please pass this on. So I want to share with us four ways we can show compassion to others, but I want to invite Olive Aneno. Uh, she's from Uganda. And she has experienced God's compassion in her life. And she experienced God's compassion through some sponsors, some people who sponsored her when she was a child. Uh, and they did this through Compassion International. You need to know that growing up in Uganda, she grew up in, the, in Uganda in the 80s. This is after Idi Amin had been driven from power and there was a civil war going on. And so she lived through some very horrible times. And you'll hear that in her testimony today. But Olive, I'm so glad you're here today. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what it was like to grow up in Uganda in the late 1980s. So I was born to a Muslim father and a Christian mother. And uh, my mom was raised Christian. And then she went off to nursing school, which was about three hours from where my grandparents lived. And uh, my mom had my older sister, Juliet, and then had me. We were three years apart. And my grandparents had no idea my mom had children. But somehow, word reached them that my mom had children. And then uh, they traveled on their bicycle to pick me and Juliet up. 
They picked us up, and then we, um, we went to live with them in Muchwini. So Muchwini is a very small village, and we lived in a homestead. It's, um, when I say homestead, it's five huts, one for my grandparents, for the male guests, female guests, then one for children, and then there was one that was the kitchen. It was shaped in the form of an ark, and right in the middle was the fireplace. The fireplace was a very important part of our home because that is where my grandfather would teach the Word of God. The neighboring families would send their children every evening, and they would hear my grandfather teach, would sing praises and worship, which I really enjoyed. When I turned five years old, I was very excited to start school. And I remember standing in front of my grandfather and doing this very silly test. All I had to do was touch my opposite ear, just like this. It was easy, right? And I stood in front of him, and being one of the bigger five-year-olds, I knew it was going to be easy, but I failed the test. So my grandfather said, oh, your brain is not grown enough, so you are not going to school. I was devastated. And the next morning was Monday morning. Um, I got up really early to go work in the garden with my grandmother. All my friends that I played with, they went to school. And then in the evening, as I brought out the mats and laid them around the fireplace and just waiting for my friends to come, none of them showed up. And none of them showed up because that very Monday, a rebel group called the Lord's Resistance Army, led by Joseph Coney, went to the neighboring schools and abducted every child that went to school. It was very clear that God's protection was upon me and I failed that test. And I remember things changing very quickly because we started living in fear. Now what the rebels would do now because they could not find any more children in the school, they would come in the homes. And when they came in the homes, they would kill the adults, the parents first, and then they would take the children. And so my grandparents derived different means of survival where my grandmother would line up blankets in one corner of the hut and give us instructions at five o'clock to pick up the blanket and go hide in the forest. And I remember it was very scary initially, but I understood the importance of hiding by myself. And I remember things also changing very quickly because now the rebels found our people were hiding and therefore they burnt all the homes they came across, and then they began burning the vegetation. And therefore, we didn't have a home, and then there was nowhere to hide. The only thing left was to start moving from place to place. We began trekking from place to place for two years. I had one dress on and one blanket. I remember being so thirsty for water and being so hungry for food, but there reached a time when the physical hunger was not something of importance anymore. I was spiritually hungry. I was hungry for peace. I was hungry for love. I wanted God to show me love. The God that my grandfather introduced me to at the age of five, I wanted to experience that love. I had so many questions. How can God do this to me? How can God do this to my family? My grandfather looked at me and realized how much I had changed. And also very heartbreaking was the fact that when I said rebels, I do not mean grown men. It's children that have been brainwashed to the point of not 
recognizing their own parents. And therefore, they would cut off limbs, cut off ears, cut off the nose, cut off lips. It was very heartbreaking to watch. I remember my grandfather looked at me and said, you are not the same anymore, and I don't want this to continue. So he put me on a bus to travel down south to the capital city. And I remember getting to the capital city, my mom was waiting for me at the bus stop. And she had another little girl with her, my younger sister, Charity. And she asked me how I was doing. I told her I was doing okay. So you can only imagine all the questions that was going through my mind. My mom was in the capital city. For two years, I've been traveling place to place trying to find safety. And here I am in a different place, different language spoken, too many people, too many cars. It was at that very moment that I realized I had symptoms of anxiety. I had symptoms of trauma. And here was my mother who did not talk much. I don't remember my mother's voice. It's because she was struggling with something that seemed to be very strong. Something weird was going on in our home. My mom would call my older sister. And the first thing she did was she'd wear gloves and then get inside my mother's room. And as soon as she came out, she'd take these gloves off and put it in the trash. So you can imagine what kind of questions was going through my mind. My mom did not talk much. She spent a lot of time in her room. We lived in a one-bedroom home. Me and my two sisters slept in the living room area on a papyrus mat. But I remember one morning she got up and she handed me this dress that she had made with leftover material from her nurse, nursing uniform. It was blue and white. And she handed it to me and said, hey, put this on. I'm taking you to church. I put the dress on and I looked at her. She was very frail, very skinny, very pale. And I didn't believe when she said she was going to walk with me to church because the church we were going to was seven miles away. That was the time that I saw the strength of a mom. She walked with me. We got to Kampala Baptist Church. When we got to the church, at the entrance on the right hand side, on the left hand side, there was a line of about 22 kids lined up. And she told me, hey, line up behind those kids. So I was the 23rd. And then she went the opposite direction. And as I waited behind this line, I had no idea what was happening at the front of the line, but I knew something good was happening because everyone that came from the front, they were smiling and laughing. And so I wanted to experience the miracle that was at the front of this line. Then it was my turn. And then they gave me this rectangular board that had UG1270188. And I had no idea. And I had questions. How can this wooden board bring so much joy? So I was told to hold it in front of me, and I was told to look straight. I looked straight, and a picture of me was taken. A picture of me was taken, and out of this picture, a child packet was made, just like the one I have of Emily here. Now, a child packet was made, and then my packet ended up in a church, just like this one, in Australia. 
in a, a family that was listening to somebody share compassion, they went to the table and they picked up my packet. And they wrote me my very first letter. We love you. And we'll do everything in our power to release you from poverty in Jesus' name. I began getting birthday gifts. I began getting monthly letters. I got to learn that my compassion sponsors are actually not Australians. They are from Holland. And they've traveled South America. My compassion dad was a missionary in West Africa. And his parents were missionaries as well. He worked for the Australian government in the forestry department. My compassion mom was a stay-at-home mom. She told me she was a homemaker. So I replied back and asked, what does a homemaker do? Does it, do they make homes? <laughs> and then she wrote back to explain to me what a homemaker is. Then I was, okay, a stay-at-home mom. And her duty, some of the things that she did. They had two children, Mira and Holland. And then they also had two foster children, Jackie and Holly at the time. So they, the foster kids would like draw pictures and color and they would send them to me. Sometimes my compassion mom would find the perfect card that was speaking whatever she wanted to tell me. I also needed to hear from my compassion dad because he would write letters like this. I hope you're working hard in school and I hope that you're spending the money we sent well. So I needed the balance because remember at the time I was living with my mom. I did not have a father figure. I remember being in the program for three years and then things drastically changed where my mom got very sick. She had to be taken to the hospital and my aunt, Udius, went to take care of her in the hospital. And while in the hospital, my aunt Udius contracted meningitis and she passed away. My mom had to be released back home and when my mom was released back home, she responded to the death of her sister in the form of a song that she sang over and over again. It is well. It is well with my soul. And those were my mother's last words. She died of HIV AIDS. It was then that I remembered the precautions she was taking to make sure that we stayed safe. You can only imagine the anguish that I felt it was like I was standing on a rock and all of a sudden the rock became sand and everything was disappearing. At 11 years old, what was I going to do? What was I going to do? It was three of us and my aunt's children were five. We moved in together. I was the only one in the program. Everyone in that home had shoes. Everyone got food. Everyone was in school. Everyone had clothing. Everyone had a mattress to sleep on. At that very moment is when I realized how the church, through compassion, showed me what it meant for the church to care for orphans and widows. The ladies would come and pray with us and bring food. The guys, we call them uncles, they would come and help with homework. The pastor would come and pray with us. I was able to experience what compassion was. 
Later on, I went to uh, a boarding school where by now I didn't have to walk to go to school. I had to stay at school. It was at this school where I picked up the sport of volleyball, but I was still struggling. I was still struggling with a lot. I still had lots of questions, which questions were answered through the letters that my compassion sponsors wrote to me. When we make a decision to sponsor a child, you don't know what God is going to reveal to you. All you have to do is listen and respond. I could be anywhere today, but I'm here. It's not by accident. God's ways, sometimes we don't understand them. How can a child packet transform my life? $38 a month. Sometimes I can't believe it. That my life was reduced to $38 a month. And how valuable that is in God's eyes. So, I was thinking earlier... You know how at every church they, uh, they have this thing with, hey, we need volunteers for the kids program, right? That shouldn't happen. It should not happen. We should not ask for volunteers that would spend time with children. In our compassion program, we had children that were going through a lot. They were going through a lot. And unless you have the relationship with that specific child, they're not going to tell you what's going on. I challenge you to spend time with the young people in this church. I challenge you to sponsor a child. It can be through compassion. It can be at a homeless shelter within the city. Invest in the lives of children. If no one invested in my life, I would not be a psychotherapist. I work with children that struggle with suicidal ideation. And that journey started with a child packet. So that brings us to a point on your outline. If I can pull you back there, there's four ways that you and I can show compassion to others. I mean, if God is compassionate, Jesus showed it what it looks like, and he wants us to be compassionate, here are things we can do. First of all, we can help someone in need. You're at Olive. You could support a child through Compassion International. We'll talk with you about that in a minute. There's other ways we can meet needs. Listen to what um, 1 John 3.17 says. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion... How can God's love be in that person? The people who sponsored you, they sponsored some other children too, right? Yes, there were t 10 of us. There were 10 of you. Yes. And what you told me was is that the, the man, the husband in that relationship, he went out and took an extra, he was an amateur photographer, he took pictures and made cards, sold those cards in order to finance that, right? Yes. And he did that for years. He just got creative because it was important to him. So we can, we can meet a need. Secondly, we can tell someone the good news about Jesus. 
One of the reasons I'm so excited about partnering with an organization like Compassion International, they're helping kids out of poverty in the name of Jesus. I mean, for you at that time, when you were struggling with, hey, how all this has happened, you were involved in Bible studies, you were involved with pastors coming to your house, people were praying for you. And this matters. Listen to what the scripture tells us in Matthew 9. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. We need to know, people need to know the good news. It's the most compassionate thing we can do for people is tell them how to be right with God. In fact, the note in your outline reminds us that if we refuse to tell others they need to repent of their sins and come to Jesus, that's the exact opposite of compassion. There's a case study of this in the Old Testament of the Bible. The prophet Jonah, God told him to go to the city of Nineveh and tell the people that judgment was coming. And Jonah refused to go. In fact, the Bible tells us he went the exact opposite direction, got on a ship to sail as far away as he could. A terrible storm came up. Jonah was thrown overboard, and God brought a big... A, great fish to come swallow him up and spit him back out on the beach so he'd finally go to Nineveh where he's supposed to go. And in chapter 4 of Jonah, we find out why he didn't go. He didn't go because the people, after he told them judgment was coming, they repented. And he cried out to the Lord and he said, Lord, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I preached won't happen. He hated these people, and he wanted them to burn in hell. He said, Lord, if I go tell them the judgment's coming, they'll probably repent. And knowing you, Lord, you're so compassionate and kind, you'll forgive them. I mean, he is a case study for not telling people about the goodness of God. We're supposed to live exactly the opposite way. And Olive experienced all this, not only through the people who sponsored her, but through the church that, they, that Compassion was tied to, right? Yes. A third thing we can do is we can choose to forgive and be kind to people who haven't been kind to us and probably wouldn't forgive us. Hmm. Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any one of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. All of you had to work through some forgiveness issues too, didn't you? Yes. Um, the children that later came back in the community and were killing and terrorizing and miming different people. These were children that I had known. And then throughout the years, they left, the, they were rescued from the rebel group and they came back. It was very hard to watch somebody that hacked your relative to death. And so I had to forgive. I had to forgive. And I also remember just not really understanding why my mom would make the decision to leave me and my older sister in the village, knowing that there was a civil war and she was in the capital city safe. I had to forgive my mother. 
You see, sometimes we ask God for forgiveness and we forget that we also have to forgive. I also remember about 11 years ago, two weeks before I got married, I discovered that was in, there was infidelity in the relationship. I had to leave the relationship. It was a tough one to forgive, but I had to forgive. And you might be here, you do have someone you need to forgive. It might be your ex-wife, ex-husband, your child, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother. Forgiveness is not for the person that you're trying to forgive. It is for you. It is for you so that Christ can shine through you. If you don't forgive, it is a heavy burden to carry. It is very heavy. And it impacts every relationship that you get in. Therefore, forgiveness for me is a journey. And we have to forgive because Christ forgives us. And the scripture tells us in Colossians that Paul says we got to choose to put that on. Put it on like a coat. You choose to put on your coat when it's cold. I got to choose to put on forgiveness when I don't feel like it. Good news is, he'll help us do that. The last way we can show compassion is we can comfort someone who has experienced pain and loss. Paul wrote in Romans 12 don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. We never know how much that's going to impact somebody when we just genuinely love them. You were telling me about a story in, that happened in New York with your son, and you realized how much God had impacted you through the love of your sponsors, through compassion. Would you share that with everyone? So about seven years ago, my son and I were in New York, and I had just finished sharing my story with a group of women. And my son comes to me and he says, Mom, what is poverty? At that very moment, I began to sob hysterically because it clicked. It clicked that the promise that my compassion sponsors made in 1988, that they were going to release me from poverty in Jesus' name. That question coming from my son was a fulfillment of that promise. No one after me has to live in poverty. And when I say no one after me has to live in poverty, not just physical poverty, but spiritual poverty. And I also um, remember just moments or situations where I would experience obstacles. I would experience trials. I have to always recall the promises that God made. You see, when my compassion sponsors decided to sponsor me, when they picked up a packet, it was not just a packet they picked. They picked me. They picked me. And to even think that a piece of paper can become the person that is speaking to you. I could not ever think of that in 1988. But we do not know God's will. The first thing we have to do is take that step and start the relationship 
with a child. And the cycle of poverty. Physical poverty, but most importantly, spiritual poverty. You see, when you have um, compassion, when this packet's here, not all these children are Christians. When they come to the compassion program, they are taught the love of Christ. Regardless of what's happening in their homes, when they are at the center, they are loved. They are taught scripture. They are discipled. They are mentored. They are counseled because they are therapists as well. It is holistic. And also the beauty of it is the parents also come once a month. And the parents are taught about the love of Christ. So for me, in 1988, God was showing grace on my compassion sponsors. And they in turn showed me grace. And I have that grace. I didn't keep it to myself. I have three compassion children. You have a responsibility. You have grace that was given to us through Christ. And therefore, don't be the last with it. Let's keep on extending the grace. And one way you can do that is by sponsoring a child through compassion today. So Steve Boston is going to come back up here along with our worship team in a minute. And then we'll tell you how, if you would like to do that today, you could start that journey today. But I want to remind us that whether we support a compassion child or not, we can all help someone in need. We can all share the good news of Jesus. We can forgive and be kind to someone who wouldn't be kind to us. We can bring comfort. I mean, God's going to give us those opportunities. Compassion International is just a way we can do all of it at one shot with some people who desperately need our help. And that's why I'm excited we're partnering with them. Will you pray with me? Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I just thank you that we have the chance to hear from Olive. Lord, I thank you for the work that you've done in her life. And Lord, as I place my hand on her shoulder, Lord, I thank you for placing hand, your hands on her life. I thank you for the compassion sponsors who write to her still this year, send her birthday cards still. Lord, I just pray that you will use Compassion International to minister to many children all around the world. But Lord, I pray that you will use your word to allow us to be compassionate people wherever we go today. God, we thank you for the love you showed us. Please help us show love to others. We thank you, Lord, for how many times you've forgiven us. God, give us the grace and the ability to let go of the pain and the sorrow that others bring into our lives so we can forgive them. God, we thank you for the great comfort you've given us in times of loss and pain. And God, would you allow us to be agents of peace and comfort? And finally, Lord, would you give us the right words so we can proclaim the gospel clearly and boldly as we should? God, the most compassionate thing we can do is tell people there's forgiveness for your sins, there's love through Jesus, there's new life in his name. Thanks for speaking to us today, Lord, through your word. Thanks for bringing Olive to join us. Thank you for the miracle she did that you've, you've done in her life where her son doesn't even know what poverty is. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you. 
In the wonderful name of Christ, we pray for your compassion. Amen.